Welcome, uh, guests. Welcome to our newcomers. Everybody watching online, good to have you. Happy New Year. Or is it? <laughs> I think uh, nobody's really looking into 2024 with the most optimistic of hopes. I mean, just everything's uncertain and topsy-turvy, and uh, things are just going so off the rails in so many ways. It's just kind of a dark future we're looking at, crazy, wicked kind of stuff going on. So what do we do with this? No, People are struggling. I don't think like we've seen in a long time, if maybe never before, with, with mental health issues, negative emotions. Um, people are struggling with all kinds of, of these feelings of loneliness and depression and anxiety and worry. And then you've got all the, the increases in addictions and self-harm, suicides. And, you know, as Christians, we're not immune from all of that either. So that's the bad news. The good news is that in this four-part series, we're going to be talking about countercultural, biblical ways to deal with all these things, things that are going to actually benefit you. And in today's message, I'm going to show you ways of deepening your dependence on God that is absolutely guaranteed to be good for you if you follow through with these things. I'm going to share with you three ways, and they're very simple ways, very basic ways that are going to help you develop some good spiritual habits that will help you to grow closer to God and get you in a better place. Now, if you're not a Christian, then this may not have been what you were bargaining for when you showed up today, but I'm encouraging you even to, to leave an open mind, to give it a try, because, hey, come on, is what you're doing really working for you? What do you, what do you got to lose? Let's try things God's way. Now, this new year, and really every new year, it's supposed to be a time of reevaluation, of reform, and resolve. So we're going to look at some new habits to develop. In fact, I just saw a study that came out about eight habits that if you will develop, in fact, some of them are habits you don't want to have, if you will do away with those habits and establish some new good habits, it would actually add 24 years to your life. Now that's if, you know, <laughs> middle age and under. I'm not saying if you're, you're my age, you're going to add 24 years to your life. But look, you're never too old to improve the quantity and quality of your life. So these eight habits include being physically active, being free from opioid addiction, not smoking. Those are the biggest three. If, if you get those three things right, it's going to add 30 to 45% higher risk. If, if, you're, if you're doing the bad things, you're going to have a higher risk of death. If you're not doing the bad things and establishing the good things, you'll live a lot longer. Now, some more are managing stress, having a good diet, not regularly binge drinking, having good sleep hygiene, now, those kinds of things are going to add another 20%. So you'll have a 20% higher risk of death based on those kinds of habits. And then the last one is having good positive social relationships. That's another 5%. Now, I'm obviously not going to deal with all the physical disciplines today. You can get a personal trainer for that or a nutritionist or go to a substance abuse support group for that. I'm going to talk about the mental and physical disciplines that will help you not only maybe have a longer life, but certainly have a better life, uh, good habits that are going to get you to a better place. And that's our main point, is practicing spiritual habits helps us depend more on God. And that's really what it's all about, is getting God-centered, God-focused. So many people are dealing with anxiety and depression and fear. And they're, I mean, these things are basically epidemic. 
And it can be something as simple as getting the Sunday scaries. Have you heard of that? I mean, people who have a great time all weekend until Sunday, and then the whole day is ruined because they're scared of what's going to happen Monday, right? They spend the whole day dreading what, what's coming the following week, the Sunday scaries. We all get a little bit of that sometimes, but people are dealing with, with issues like never before. Like that, that affects especially younger people, Gen Z, millennials. But everybody's dealing with anxiety, and that's why it's big business. I mean, there's a lot of companies making money off of our anxieties and, and worries. Um, they're marketing to us like never before, and we're so anxious. I mean, the, the spike in anxiety diagnoses is so high, we're willing to give anything a try to relieve it. So you can get yourself some fidget spinners, some aromatherapy candles. You can download some apps. You can do some sleep aids, take some therapy sessions. You can uh, call up telehealth. You can take some supplements, you know, maybe like melatonin or, or something a little heavier, some prescription pills, maybe some, you know, med- medical marijuana. Now everybody's trying psychedelics. Meanwhile, a Gallup study from just a few months ago said depression rates are at a high, a new high. Nearly 30% of adults say that they have experienced or been diagnosed with some form of depression. Um, and that's, that's up like 10% over the past few years, since 2015. In fact, right now, currently 18% are being treated for depression. 18%. Now, there's also, a, a, I think, a bigger increase among young people. And, you know, we can look to a lot of causes for that. But Jean Twenge, a professor of psychology at San Diego uh, State University, she's an expert in all this generational kind of research. And she notes that there have been these big increases in anxiety and depression and suicide and all these other mental health issues over the past decade or so. So she said uh, teens and young adults have been feeling more loneliness, more depression. Their self-esteem is down. They can't seem to enjoy life. They're not getting any real satisfaction out of life. And the trends just keep building. It's not like this is going down. And it's because of a big shift in our values. And what she traces it back to is about a decade ago is when smartphones became widespread. Most everybody had smartphones beginning about 10 years ago. And we see these changes taking place. So this technology has benefited us and blessed us in many ways, but it's also been damaging in many ways, especially with social media. That's that's about when everybody started getting on social media. And social media is by design meant to harm you. It is meant to addict you, to keep your eyes glued to that screen as long as possible and exploits our vulnerabilities. It creates a dependence. I mean, people can't even imagine now going around without your smartphone attached to you 24-7. We're absolutely addicted to that technology. So that means people are spending less and less time together face-to-face. In the time when we have all this technological connection, people are feeling more loneliness than ever. In fact, a few months ago, another worldwide Gallup study came out that said one in four adults are experiencing extreme loneliness. So it really is a universal problem. On It's on some scale for at least half of those polled now, who would you expect to feel most lonely? Might, might be like elderly people who are in isolation, but no, they're not the ones feeling the most lonely. Only 17% of the elderly feel very or fairly lonely. No, it's young adults, 19 to 29 years old. They're feeling 20, 27% are feeling that way. 
So there's something going on here. We're, we're going to talk about that more in a couple weeks in, in the message on developing fellowship, and the church can help a lot with that. Now, uh, next week we're going to be talking about the idea of decluttering your life, and we're going to end up with uh, descending into greatness. But through all this, we can, we can blame a lot of things. We can blame yeah, social media and smartphones, or we can blame the pandemic. And there's, there's blame to go around. But I would also point out one of the most obvious and neglected reasons for all this mess is the rise in atheism. At the very same time this has been going on, there has been a decrease in belief in God, a devaluing of the Bible, and a decline in church involvement. So why are there so many young people feeling all this negative stuff? It's because they are pretty much completely disconnected and disinterested in God and religion. Why? Because believing nothing leads to nothing. Where does it lead you? It leads to narcissism and nihilism, which leads to anxiety and depression. But when you believe in God, it really changes everything. It gives you a whole different perspective, a whole different outlook, because you've got this God who made you, who loves you, who's looking out for you, comforting you, encouraging you, guarding you. That gives you a whole different outlook on everything. And even believers, you know, we say we believe in God, but if we're acting like we don't, if we're like practical atheists and that we ignore God, we relegate him to some small corner of our lives, or we just give him some minuscule amount of our time, there's not going to be a whole lot of difference. When we leave God out, we focus on ourselves. And that leads to all these negative attitudes. But when you make God a priority in, our, in your time, in your, in your life, it changes everything. We realize that he's there for us. He's meeting our needs. He's giving us wisdom. He's strengthening us. He's guiding us. So look, it's crucial that we spend more time with God. And, and spending time with God is going to relieve a lot of that loneliness. Because you realize you're never really alone. You have his abiding presence with you all the time. And so it's not, you know, people who are alone, when they reach out to God, they don't feel alone. Yes, they're, they're in solitude with God, but they don't have that inward emptiness of loneliness like others do. And then when you learn to trust God, you don't have to worry as much because you recognize I'm not in control. I can't work all this out. I'm, I, can't, I can't change everything, but I've got a God who's in control. And experiencing the joy of his grace, that lightens your load, that lifts your burdens, that, that lifts those depressing thoughts. We begin experiencing his peace. We learn not to lean on our own understanding, right? Isaiah 41 says, for I, this is so good. In fact, say it with me, say it with me. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand it is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Isn't that great? I'm the one holding your hand. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. He'll straighten out your path. He'll go before you. So I don't have to worry like other people do. Now look, whether you acknowledge it or not, everybody depends on God. But we Christians, we're not afraid. We're not hesitant to confess I, remember the old hymn, I need thee every hour. 
Yeah, we need him every hour. We give up trying to control and manipulate everything. Instead, we submit to him and surrender to his will. That changes everything. Well, how do we do that? Well, it's really difficult to do on the go. Having real fellowship with God where we're we're listening, we're reflecting, we're pondering. um, We need to prioritize that into our schedule. Have time with God away from the noise and the busyness and the hurry. So I'm just, again, going to remind you of three simple ways today to do that. And the first one is prayer. Praying perpetually. Because we're carrying on a conversation with God. So we're recognizing he's there with us all the time. That communication with him continually invites his presence and his promises and his protection and his provision. You can depend on God, but you can't depend on him if you forget he's there, right? So being in constant communication with God reminds us that he's constantly with us and we're keeping him now at the front of our minds instead of, you know, putting him on the back burner as an afterthought. Prayer reminds us, well, God's always just a prayer away. He's always available. In fact, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Now that doesn't mean nonstop. It just means ongoing, regular prayer. It's a privilege that we can bring our concerns and worries to God, take all of our burdens, give them to Him, and He cares for us, and He's going to help us, He's going to direct us, He's going to guide us, He's going to provide for us. So yeah, we're going to seek His guidance, we're going to ask for His help, we're going to thank Him for His blessings, and stop carrying around all this stuff on our own shoulders, trying to do everything in our own strength. In fact, we recognize when we see God for who He is, uh, oh, nothing He can't handle, right? No concern for him is too big and no concern is too small to bring to him. In fact, we're told this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't be anxious about what? About anything. But in what? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and what's going to happen? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's some good mental health right there. Present your concerns, your worries, your needs to God. Give thanks to Him. Hey, we got, we got nothing to lose when we go to God except our pride and our self-sufficiency, which means we're going to lose our fear and our anxiety. So you just you pray your way throughout the day. Anytime, anywhere, for anything. Yes, absolutely. But... I would also say it's a good thing to plan for a specific time alone with God. Why? Because that's that's what Jesus did. Prayer was Jesus' sense of strength. It was his source of power because it, it said it was, Bible says it was his custom to get alone with God, to get up in the morning and go be with God. And you might want to take a cue from that. If it was important for Jesus, it should be important for us too. Get alone with God. Uh, make Maybe first part of your day, just like Jesus. That way you're ready to take on the day. You, you, you get your head on straight. You get your heart right with God. So you're ready for whatever you have to deal with that day. But, you know, it doesn't have to be in the morning. But I would say set up some daily time alone with God where it's just you and the Lord giving Him your full, undivided attention. It's not something we do just when we feel like it or when we have some great pressing need. We set up this habit regularly of a daily appointment, right? Because when something's important, we, we make an appointment to do it. You put it in your day planner. You put it on your calendar. Make an appointment with God. 
Now, we can, we can be guilty of making this too complicated, though, like thinking like, well, i gotta, I got to say all these fancy words or go through the right formula of, of things to pray about or it's got to be a long prayer. No, no, no. Jesus said you do not have to use uh, some uh, ritual to do this. You don't have to say the exact right words. You don't have to pray for a long time because he gives us what? As an example, the Lord's Prayer. Very short, simple, sincere. That's all it needs to be. But sometimes it can be longer. In fact, I would encourage that. I believe in making prayer lists, keeping a list of things to pray about. Because otherwise, I'll, I'll just pray about whatever happens to pop into my mind at the moment. But if I keep a list, and those are the things that I need to pray about that are important, that matter, and so I, I'm going to pray for those things regularly. So when anything is threatening your sense of peace or your security or your joy, you go to God. You call out to him, Psalm 121, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength of my heart and he's my portion forever. And 1 Peter 5 says we can cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares for his children, for you more than you would ever know. So he knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. So look, refuse to worry about all the things that you can't do anything about anyway. Depend on God. Depend on him. Quit, quit thinking that to have a strong faith, you got to put on your game face. Like you got to put on this face that everything's fine. It's okay. I got this. I'm in charge. I, I can handle this. No, scripture says it's when you're weak, then you're strong. When you show God your weakness, God, I'm struggling. I'm stressed. I need you. I need help. That's when we get strength because we're no longer relying on ourselves and our weakness. We're relying on his strength. So we got a website, you know, about this, onlygodcanhelp.com. It's got some good prayer helps on there, and I encourage you to go check it out. But don't wait to pray until it's a last resort, until, it, you know, it's your backup plan, and there's nowhere else to turn. Go to God first thing, right away. Now, part of our time alone with God includes the second way to depend on Him, and that is to read regularly the Bible, praying perpetually, reading regularly the Bible. That's your two-way communication. That's your relationship. You speak to him, he speaks to you through his word. And as you fill your mind with his word, you hide it in your heart, it's there ready to be accessed at the time when you need it. If you're not putting it in there now, it's not going to be there when you need it, right? So, And when I'm saying regularly, read it regularly, I mean daily, really, if at all possible. Make it a daily appointment. Not something to do legalistically, like, oh man, I forgot to read my Bible today. I'm going to be in trouble with God. Um, you know, I'm, I feel really guilty about that. No, I'm not. I'm saying, look, treat it like vitamins, right? I take vitamins every day. Not because, oh man, I forgot to take my vitamins today. You know, and I fall down immediately or I'm, I get sick overnight or I'm going to feel really guilty today because I didn't take my vitamins. No, I take them because I know that over time, they're good for me, right? They, they, they be, help you be healthier. Help you be stronger. That's what prayer is like. It's a habit. It's a discipline you do because it's good for you. The Bible gives you a prayer and scripture. I mean, that just changes your whole focus and understanding of the whole world, of the meaning of life. It renews your mind. It reshapes your thinking. It reforms your values. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul writes, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I'm no longer trusting my own thinking because my thoughts are messed up, right? I mean, they're, they're corrupted, they're distorted because they've been influenced by this world, by its twisted way of thinking. By, it's just my mind is limited by my own moral capacity, by my own parochial experience, by my sinful desires. It, but Scripture opens my mind to what is right and true and good and what matters and what's eternal. It becomes the owner's manual for life. It becomes the operating system for the Christian mind because without it, you will default to the world's operating system, which is really messed up. So you got to declutter your mind, get rid of the junk you've been focusing on and thinking about, all the worthless so-called wisdom of this world, and begin filling it with what's good. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on what? Your own understanding. Why do we, why do we have so much worry and depression? Could it be that because we're listening to the world instead of absorbing God's wisdom? You're doing what the world says. And so, look, you may be doing okay right now. Life's fine. But there are going to come storms. And are you going to be ready for them? Where are you going to turn when those storms come? When emotional trauma threatens you? Yes, when suicidal thoughts come out of nowhere. If all you've been doing is absorbing the world's wisdom, that storm is going to crush you. You fill up your mind now with God's Word so that it's there when you need it. You sink your roots down deep now so you can withstand the storms when they come. Listen to what God says instead of what the world says. What does God say? That should be your first question about anything. What does God say about you, about your situation, about your temptations? I tell you, it's going to be way different than the conventional wisdom and the popular opinions and the therapeutic advice you're going to get out there in the world. You know, we get freaked out by people who have no real understanding of reality. Why are we listening to them? People who have no clue on what the whole meaning and purpose of life is all about. People who, who are, are feeding us all kinds of pseudo-knowledge and propaganda and lies. Stop listening to that. What does God say? And when you're dealing with issues, I don't care what... You, taking on the world's big political problems or you're just in your own personal pickle. You know, you're, you got to look at it through the lens of Scripture. You evaluate it through what God says. This becomes your, your grid for how you interpret what's going on. It becomes your filter for making decisions. And when there's a conflict between what the Bible says and what the world says, go with the Bible every time. God's wisdom stands. Psalm 85 says, I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. Let them not turn to folly. That's what we do when we listen to the world. It's folly, it's foolish, it's nonsense. And yet, even as Christians, we don't make time to read Scripture. And if you don't read Scripture, it's going to be difficult to depend on God. There's no real shortcut to spiritual growth apart from speaking to God and hearing from God. 
And what the irony and the sad, tragic irony is, is you and I have more access, access to the Bible than anybody throughout all of history. And yet we tend to ignore it and neglect it more than anybody throughout history. How wise is that? Guys, you've heard me say this, I don't know how many times over the years. If you want to change the way you live, you got to change the way you think. And to change the way you think, you got to change what you think about. And to change what you think about, you got to change what you're filling your mind with. What are you filling your mind with? Is your mind being transformed by immersing it in the truth of Scripture? Now again, go back to that website, onlygodcanhelp.com. We've got some Bible helps on there for you as well. And let me ask, have you ever read through the Bible. How many years have you been a Christian? Have you read through the entirety of the Bible yet? Make this a year, or at least read through at least the whole New Testament. That's the most important part, right? Because that's all about Jesus, how to live as a Christian. And look, if you just do a couple chapters a day, you'll do the whole New Testament in, what, about four months? You can do that. It's going to be so good for you. Because so much of our anxiety and weakness can be attributed to this lack of having a personal devotional life with God. So why not make it a priority, set a goal, Say, I'm going, to, I'm going to devote 15 minutes a day to God. And that, that's going to be good for you. It's, <laughs> right now, where are you at in your spiritual life? Are you stalled out? Are you unhappy? Are you running on fumes? Feel, feel pretty empty about that? Well, come on, let's make spiritual growth a high priority, and you're going to start to grow. You will. Simple, basic stuff. You say, yeah, but I'm too busy for 15 minutes a day. Really? 15 minutes? And no, actually, I kind of get it. Because I feel that way a lot of times too. You know, I get up in the morning, got stuff to do, let's get busy. And I get, before you know it, the morning's gone. Like, uh. But I know if I don't do it in the morning, it ain't going to get done. You know, I can tell myself I'll do it later, I'll do it later. I don't. So I got to do it first thing. And you say, well, I, still, I don't have time. Well, how about this? Let somebody read the Bible to you. Yes, just go, go on the YouVersion app, go on BibleGateway.com, press the button, somebody will read it to you while you're getting ready in the morning, while you're commuting to work, while you're doing your chores, okay? I don't know, it's, it, it's probably going to take cutting something out of your life. And I can't tell you what that is, but I, I think I'm on pretty solid ground of saying everybody's got 15 minutes that they can cut out something. Whether it's scrolling through social media or it's... Uh, Watching TV, gaming, it's, it's got to become a habit, a discipline, just like brushing your teeth. It's just second nature to you. Of course I do. And that time alone with God, you know, you're already praying, so just read your Bible at the same time. Because if you don't, if you, if you go into the day without this, I think things, that's when things get overwhelming. Things start to pile up. So before you take on the day, Go to God. But again, if it's at nighttime, before bed, whenever, it, that's fine, whatever works for you. And while you're at it, why don't fill your mind with some good Christian reading? Get some good Christian books, and that will help transform your thinking too. Why not go, go out to that One Mind Books out near the main entrance there? We've got some good, good, it'll be good for you. I'm not talking about nice, fluffy, inspirational stuff. I know some people love, love that, make them feel good. I'm talking about some serious Bible study. Like, we got good study Bibles out there, even though I peeked out there before I came in here and, like, they're gone. So can't get them today. We'll get it restocked. But good kids' Bibles out there, good doctrinal books you can study, books on defending your faith. But start transforming your mind. Get, get God's wisdom into you. 
how much better would that be for you than spending a few more minutes on YouTube or Netflix or Xbox? Come on. And you can join in groups and Bible studies and classes. We got some new ones coming up. I'm going to be starting my essentials class again on Thursday nights in February. And I'm also going to do another online Bible study next month as well. So get involved in all these things. But let me give you one more habit that will help you depend on God more. And that is worshiping weekly. Now, I know everything we do is to glorify God. So you're supposed to worship him no matter where you are, anywhere, anytime. Come near to God and he will come near to you. James 4, 8, right? Okay, I'm going to worship God all the time. But let me also encourage you to make Sunday gathering a priority this year. Give God the first part of your week because it really does make a big difference in your spiritual growth. And develop that as a non-negotiable in your kids' lives too. We go to church on Sunday, period, right? You don't get to say so. You don't get a choice. I told you when I was a kid... I had a drug habit. I got drugged to church every week, whether I wanted to go or not. And I'm so glad I had that drug habit. That's the only kind that you want. But you got to ingrain that as a habit. Because what happens at church? You commune with God. You, you learn more deeply from his word. It gets your emotional and, and your, your thinking straightened out for the week ahead. Look, we don't come here because God needs our worship. We need this. We need to be here for the worship, for the fellowship, for the teaching, because there is something supernatural and synergistic when God's people get together to glorify him. I don't know, it's the songs that remind us of these truths, the sermons, they do something in us. Because when we begin to express to God how awesome and good he is, it reorients my thinking. I begin to magnify God, and that minimizes my problems. Right? It shrinks them down. Because I understand I have a God who loves me, who's, who's able, who can do even the impossible thing. When I forget about that, then the inevitable results are insecurity and, and fear and worry and discouragement. But when I shift my focus to God, which is what we do here every Sunday, it builds in me gratitude, love, hope, confidence. Worship reminds me of purpose, why I'm here. God, it strengthens me with divine purpose. It reorients me to what is true and good and right. So that's why it's so important. It reminds me that it's not all about me. It's about him. There's something bigger than me and my problems. It reminds me who God is, that he's God and I'm not. And I'm not going to have any other gods before him. I'm not going to have idols in my life. So I know when you're going through all these hard times, you're having these mental health issues and all these negative emotions, that's the times when you don't feel like going to church. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to see those people. That's when you need it the most. So don't let anything rob you of that. Because I'll tell you, I, I've been, I've been a, in church all my life. I've been in ministry for many years. And I can tell you, one of the very first signs of somebody's spiritual decline is their church attendance falls off. It just is. There's, there's a connection there. Don't let that happen to you. Because, you know, God has a plan for your life, but so does the devil. Do you know that? devil has a strategy for you. Three-point strategy. First strategy is keep you out of here. He doesn't want you coming here. He doesn't want you experiencing this stuff. He wants you out in the world. He wants you completely immersed, saturated in all that nonsense. By all means, don't come to church. That's his strategy. But you're here, so you're, you know, you already blew that one for today. So what's he going to do? Number two, he's going to move on and say, get out of there. Don't come back. You know, like, 
you came here at the beginning of the year. You're good for the year. All right, maybe Easter, maybe Christmas, but that's it. No more, all right? Or he'll do something to discourage you and get you out of here. Somebody will say a rude word to you. They'll cut you off in the parking lot. Some, some petty little thing to get you out of here. I'm not going back to those people over there. Well, who, who's the loser in that scenario? You are, because you left. So you're aware of that. You're not going to let that happen. So what's he going to do? He'll move on to his third phase, which is to let you stay as long as you don't really do anything, as long as you don't really stay involved, as long as you show up for worship and you're doing this the whole time. You know, you're not paying attention. You're not engaging with anybody. You just kind of sneak in and sneak out. He's got no problem with that because you're not really doing church. You're just kind of going through the motions, right? You're no threat to him. But when you get serious about living for God, going full out, dying to yourself, now you become a big threat to him. So you're not going to let that happen. Put this as a weekly priority on your schedule. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Say, let us consider how. And by the way, it's consider, which means it's, it's a choice. Okay, don't, don't neglect this. Stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the what? Habit. See, it's a habit to neglect it. It's a habit to do it. And yeah, it was going on back then too but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day, the day of the second coming, drawing near. So during our time together on Sundays, don't waste it. Join in. Don't just watch. Participate. Give your full attention. Cut out all the distractions. Engage with one another. Show up on time. In fact, be early. Get to know some people. Stay late. Get to know some people. Welcome guests. Bring guests. It'll be so good for them too. So why, why are you dissatisfied with your spiritual growth right now? Could it be that you're neglecting these basic, simple spiritual disciplines? Christian growth, yes, look, it's ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't force this. You can't manufacture it. You can't just feel it. But this is what the Spirit uses to help us grow. So when you're neglecting praying perpetually, you miss out. When you avoid reading regularly the Bible, you miss out. When you skip worshiping weekly in the assembly of the saints, you miss out. So practice those three things. Say them with me. Praying perpetually, reading regularly the Bible, worshiping weekly. Here we go. Praying per per <laughs> Let me say it right first. Praying perpetually, reading regularly the Bible, worshiping weekly. Now, see, I gave them all like, like P and P and R and R and WW, so I'd remember them better, and then that made it more hard to say. So whatever system you want to come up with, do those three things, and you're going to grow this year. You can depend on it. Practicing spiritual disciplines helps us to depend on God more. Now, if you're here, you're searching, you're hurting, you're struggling, you're having suicidal thoughts. We want you to know there's this God who loves you, who values you, who's got better things for you, who's got a plan for your life, but it begins with making the best decision ever, and that's to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, to stop trusting in yourself, stop relying on your own efforts, turn to Him, repent of your sins, all your wrong-headed, wrong ways of doing things, and be baptized into Christ. 
lowered down in that water, dying to yourself, rising up, filled with his spirit, and a hope forever, a new life. If you're ready to do that, reach out today. Don't just walk out the doors and let this go. Come meet with somebody that'll be up here. One of these folks will be happy to walk through this with you, answer your questions, pray with you. If you're watching online, text us, email us. We'll get right back with you. But this could be the best day ever as you begin this new journey with God. You say, well, I don't know. I'm just kind of checking things out. I'm just kind of sampling things. Well, look, if you're, if you're just sampling spiritualities, are you trying to come to God on your own terms? That's not the way it works. You come to him on his terms. Because remember, you're not in charge. He is. You may think you're independent and self-reliant. You're not. Everything is very fragile. Everything is very temporal. Uh, yeah, but I'm too busy today. Really? You're going to walk out here and tell God, ah, not today, some other time. You're going to have some other idol? Busyness is an idol. It is the enemy of spiritual growth. And can I just tell you, your life has an expiration date, just like that jug of milk. You may not have another day to wait. So let's get things right now. Let's pray. Father, we're, I want to pray for those who are struggling with all these feelings of uh, anxiety and depression and loneliness, that they understand really how much you love them, how much you value them. God, for anybody who might even be contemplating harming themselves or suicide, um, for people who are in, in, in addiction, that they would be delivered, God, and give them a strength beyond themselves. Help them to see the purpose that you have for their lives and move them to confess their sins. And to, to finally be relieved of all that guilt and give them hope. Thank you for the forgiveness and the life that we find in turning to Christ who died on the cross for our sins, God. We know that you came to this earth not just to make us happy and healthy, but to make us right with you. You came to bring dead people to life. You came to bring condemned people to freedom. You suffered the judgment we deserve so we could be redeemed and reborn. We need you, Lord. No matter what kind of mess we get our lives into, we know you've got a better path, that you will lift us up out of the miry clay and set our feet on the solid rock. And so we lean on your everlasting arms, safe and secure from all alarms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear when I lean on your everlasting arms? God, even though the, everything around us is a mess, the world's going off the rails, the society's going off a cliff, we know that we are your children, we are citizens of an eternal kingdom, and we will stand in the midst of it all. Help us to keep growing closer to you, to be disciplined, to pray perpetually, to read regularly your word, to worship weekly, because these are your privileges that you've given us. We pray it in Jesus' name.